0: On March 16, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alameen, a Muslim leader and former Black Power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosey Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tenderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Dossier, presented by Metro by T-Mobile.
1: It was all a dream. These are the most famous words from the greatest rapper of all time, the notorious B.I.G. And tonight, that dream is turning into a reality. They just wanted to be the biggest. He wanted to be the best. He wanted to have influence and impact people in a positive way. And that clearly has been done all over the world. Nobody has come close to the way Biggie sounds, to the way he raps, to the frequency that he hits. Tonight, we are inducting the greatest rapper of all time into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Notorious B.I.G., representing Brooklyn, New York. We up in here, Big. Every day I wake up, I hear your voice motivating me, pushing me, pushing all of us, be the greatest. The sky's the limit. You did it, King. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Notorious BIG the greatest of all time.
0: You are now listening to episode 11 of The Dossier. For the first 10 episodes, I told a story that tracked back 20 years. I hope that I explained all the players involved in this cover-up and also highlighted the investigative work of Phil Carson this podcast will now turn into an active investigation. First and foremost, there is a chance that Perry Sanders will move to refile the civil case against the LAPD in the city of Los Angeles. There also is rumors that possibly the L.A. Field Division of the FBI is taking a hard look at this case. Any young FBI agent in the L.A. Field Division would look at this case in the work that Phil Carson has done and see an opportunity for justice as it relates to the LAPD cover-up and corruption. This evidence I will present is not rumor or innuendo. This evidence I will tell you about was extracted from documents that have been acquired through a Freedom of Information Act request, hidden sources, and the volume of files that are under seal in the first civil trial filed by Valletta Walls and Perry Sanders.
2: All right, so what I think I'll do is, okay. is, is I have the documents in front of me so I can read you small excerpts of them okay. and then you can just comment on it. So the very first piece of things, it has to do with David Mack, right? And it has to do with Russ Poole not being able to even question David Mack. And I, I guess, you know, here's, here's I want to read you this expert. So David Mack is a registered owner of a 1995 black SS Impala with chrome wheels. The exact description given as being driven by Walls' shooter. Mac used this car as a getaway car when he committed a bank robbery where 722,000 was taken. Mac was convicted, served a 12-year prison term. None of that $722,000 has ever been found, and Mac's two accomplices have, have never been identified. Based on prison logs, Amir Muhammad was the first to visit Mac when he was arrested and detained. If you're an investigator within LAPD's robbery homicide like Russell Poole, Russell Poole was not even allowed to question David Mack. They put David Mack in jail for the bank robbery and that was it, right? He was hands off.
3: Correct. And what's also kind of crazy with that is when because they, they knew that there were not only accomplices of Mack uh, regarding the bank robbery, but then when Rafael Perez got arrested for the rampart and ended up pleading guilty. They never asked him or questioned him in his plea deal if he was part of the Mac bank robbery or any involvement with the Biggie murder. I'm sure that that is Perez's attorneys probably put that as a condition and you don't let them decide what the conditions are. You're giving this guy the deal of the century. You're the one that specifies what the conditions of the plea agreement are, which means anything and everything is on the table. And it's crazy not to have asked Perez about the uh, the bank robbery by Mac and what he knew about it. It's one thing if he doesn't want to self incriminate himself, but if he's getting a plea deal and they give him what they call a queen for a day, which means you know anything any information he provides can't be used directly against him, but they can use that to help further an investigation. That's why you do a proffer session, and that was off the table with Perez and uh, Mayor Garcetti at the time. Um, had a news conference. And he stated he could not believe how Perez, this dirty cop, got this kind of plea deal and got to dictate what the terms of that plea deal were. That You don't you do not do it that way. It's not how things work. And that was their golden opportunity to find out who the accomplices were, because Mac wasn't talking about the bank robbery, but everybody knew that there were other people involved. And in fact, I tracked down his half-brother who, who helped steal a car that was used as one of the getaway cars and talk to him.
2: That actually gets me to <laughs> my next thing. So as, a, as an FBI agent, when you do an investigation, you have mm-hmm. what is defined as sources, correct? Correct, yes. Okay, so in this particular case, you know, I filed a tremendous amount of Freedom of, of Information Act requests and been given documents by Sergio Robledo and various other sources, right? So I have these trove of documents. The sources that you had, and I won't name names because that obviously, when you have a source, you want to protect their identity. Right, but I just want awesome. to read, yeah. yeah, I just want to read some information, right? <laughs> okay. You had a source who states Amir told him that he shot Biggie Smalls. You have a source who IDs David Mack in a six pack that he and Mac were present at the Peterson Automotive Museum the night of the shooting. Those are two things, correct? Correct. You have a source who ideas Amir in a six pack approaching the source while outside next to Biggie's car caravan. Source brandishes a weapon and Amir proceeds to walk down the street where the shooter's car is parked. Correct. Source who states he witnessed the, sh- the shooting provided a sketch of the shooter and described what the shooter was wearing, which is consistent with what, what other sources state. Correct former Compton police officer states that David Mack was hired to commit the murder and that he was originally contacted to commit it. Correct. You hear people say, well, you know, there's no evidence or there's no trail or there's no this, or, there's no that. It's pretty crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, another thing I found, it says that there's a store and, and again, if there's anything that we shouldn't talk about, you just say that, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I would. Yeah, yep, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Another piece of documentation, a source stated he or she grew up with Reggie Wright Jr. and his family in the Los Angeles area. Source added, Reggie is still selling kilos of cocaine and is active in the hip-hop music security business running Rightway Securities. Source stated, Reggie was involved in helping set up the Biggie Smalls murder, and that a male named Amir Muhammad was the trigger man. Source noted Amir told him or her approximately six years ago that he was the trigger man and used a tech nine. At this time, Amir was involved in the Fruit of Islam religious group. Correct. Now what I think is important to point out, when you're doing your investigation, you're almost like a journalist. You're just, you're just culling information. You're, you're talking to as many people as you can to really understand who has information and who doesn't, right? Exactly.
1: Such a charismatic, charming, incredible storyteller, likable guy. Like, he, like, he's forever loved by hip-hop. That's just, that's it. It's big cause hit just the way he was, his honesty, his brutal honesty, you know, black and ugly as ever, however, I stay coochie down to the socks. You know, like, he, he can do that, like, a Richard Pryor he was in, in, in that way, where he can make fun of himself, you know, and it, it just seems just such a charismatic
2: person. You know, there is a thing that I came across, and it's interesting. It's it's actually handwritten notes by Detective Russell Poole, and Russell Poole went to New York City and he visited uh, an attorney in New York City who at the time was representing three people who were there that night that Biggie was murdered. He's representing James Lloyd, who whose moniker is Little C's. He represented Gregory Young and then he represented someone named Damian Butler. And it's interesting, when Russell Poole shows Damian Butler a six-pack, Butler identifies David Mack as being present at the Peterson Museum on the night Wallace was murdered, right? And Butler states, I'm sure this guy was standing just outside the door to the museum as we were entering the party. So here you have... Someone who was Puffy's, one of Puffy's good friends, he was with him that night. And he literally puts David Mack outside the door of the Peterson Automotive Museum that night. And this would be an example of this is work Russell Poole did, but it then comes into your hands and you say, wow, this is interesting, right? Correct. And this is also in these documents is a sign. Damian Butler signs his name. Right. It's a a photo identification report taken by Russell Poole, and he signs his name on this on April 5th, 1998 at 525 p.m., which is interesting. Another piece of evidence, you know, in that just has been sort of overlooked and disregarded by mostly everybody. So this next this next piece I want to talk to you about gets to the idea that we've always talked about. And that idea is if the LAPD had nothing to hide, if the city attorneys for Los Angeles had nothing to hide and everyone had the idea that they wanted justice to find who killed Biggie, something like this would not happen, right? And I want to read you something and then we can talk about this, okay? Okay. On, On or around March 26th of 2004, you received a, a telephone message or a page from LA City Attorney Paul Paquette, and Paul Paquette wanted you to contact him. He wanted you to call him, right? Yes. Um, and Paul Paquette—now, this is that this is a city attorney who is representing the City of Los Angeles in the civil trial against Miss Wallace and Perry Sanders. Okay. You talked to him, right? And he tells you that he had a telephone call with LAPD officer David Mack who told Paquette he wanted to have the FBI administer a polygraph test on him. But as part of that, the conditions were if if you did the polygraph on David Mack, right, that you also would have to do the polygraph on Damian Butler, James Lloyd, Kenneth Storey, and Reggie Blaylock. And these are all people that were in the cars the night Biggie was shot. So, what David Mack is saying is, I'll take a lie detector test, or this is Paul Paquette is <clears throat> saying, David Mack will take a lie, a lie detector test, but we also want the FBI to administer lie detector tests to all of these people in Puffy's entourage. Correct?
3: Yes. Yeah. So when Paul Piquette called me and I spoke to him and he told me about uh, this request by David Mack, I mean, just bells went off and I knew something was going on. So I went and talked to my supervisor and, and another one of my bosses and said, here's a crazy request from the L.A. City Attorney's Office, the lead city attorney, Paul Piquette. And I said, something's going on here. First of all, I don't have any interest in polygraphing David Mack and I'm not going to be able to get these other four guys to take polygraphs because what would be the point of something like that anyways? Um, so anyways, I, uh, I, went, I got back to Paul Paquette, and I said, you know what, appreciate the, uh, the offer, what have you, but at this point um, we're not interested. If something were to change, then uh, you know, I'll get back to you. And he says, okay, come to find out in sworn depositions under oath, David Mack himself admitted that he this was he never came up with this idea. This was something that Paul Paquette came up with and associated it with a David with David Mack saying it was a request of his. David Mack says no, that's bullshit. Uh, that's a lie. That never happened. Paul Paquette himself finally admitted that this was a ruse that he completely made up in the city attorney's office, completely made up for the sole reason that they knew for a fact. That, that David Mack would not get polygraphed by the
0: FBI. See, this story is a story only a few people are aware of. The detractors like Reggie Wright Jr. or Greg Cating will say that a conspiracy to cover up this murder would have taken too many people. It just isn't true. Paul Paquette was protecting the city of Los Angeles. He was playing a game of chess. This cover-up didn't have... Hundreds of people. It had the leaders of the LAPD, the city attorney, and a few LAPD lifers who know if they tell the truth, they would be ruined just like Russ Poole. The city of Los Angeles was so corrupt that they were willing to orchestrate a ruse with David Mack Alright, so life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work. Up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day, as you work, and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So maybe you need to get your kids something special, or you and the wife need a scintillating night out. Every once in a while, at least. So download Earn In Today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in the dossier under podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com forward slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC.
3: These are in sworn depositions where they admit this. They were going to use this against me, where if I were to ever testify in this civil suit, they would be able to try to discredit me, saying like, here David Mack was, was offering to take a polygraph, and you, Agent Carson, decided not to do it, Probably because you would be afraid of what David Mack would would come across as being truthful that he was involved in this. They wanted to be able to say that discredit me by saying, why didn't you follow up with this polygraph? Well, the funny thing was is, is even in a meeting with Rob Frank um, and Perry Sanders, Rob Frank in a sworn deposition states that Paul Paquette, um, was kind of joking and laughing about this and that he came up with this ruse and all that sort of stuff. Well, when I found out about that and I talked to my bosses, I not only got an attorney in Los Angeles, but DOJ, the Department of Justice back in D.C., they assigned an attorney and we went to the city attorney's office and said, you guys retract this or I'm suing you for defamation. I said, I can't believe you guys would stoop to this level to try to, again, it's a complete, they're trying to discredit me, discredit this case, and to come up with a bold-faced lie like that um, to try to undercut me and undercut the FBI. Paul Paquette, because of this, admitted it then that it was all a ruse, that he came up with this, that this was a big lie, and he got yanked off the case. And he was the lead attorney for the city of Los Angeles. Now you got to. It's, yeah, it's, it's staggering it's mind blown, to think about it. That. Yeah. yeah, and I and I'm thinking to myself, and I'm going to my bosses, going like, "This is what I'm dealing with. Why are these people so 100 percent just going after me? I mean, here's the thing: if you want to try to discredit evidence, you can't. Evidence, it is what it is. So I guess the next best thing is, is let's try to discredit who the messenger with this evidence is, which is me. But they got caught in this lie. Paul Paquette got yanked off the case because they knew the city attorney's office was going to get sued.
1: See, Big, I don't know how he he was a genius, Mm -hmm. man. he, 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 everything he said, he could just be saying something like, like you think he's playing, but as you walk away with it, like it sticks with you. So it was just. He always would, he would always want to see me or see anybody, everybody doing them their best. Yeah. And um, so it was just all, all about doing your thing. Go go do it all, go get it all.
2: I, I just want to read some of what these confidential informants provided in terms of information because it's staggering to think again that if you were to talk to robbery homicide or, or any of these people, I don't think anyone has looked into this. Any Anyone has has gone down this road. So there, there was a CI in February of 98 that picks out David Mack as being someone always seen at death row functions. In May 1998, CI states he has knowledge regarding the biggie killing and asked to speak with the assistant DA at the time, and this CI is denied. Um... Another CI in September of nineteen ninety eight meets with LAPD chief Bernard Parks and asks to investigate Mac's involvement, in a biggie shooting with LAPD officers who he's already investigating. CI number seven is told no by Parks. Parks specifically tells CI seven not to write any reports regarding Mac's involvement, and CI um uh number seven provided uh Three of Miss Wallace's attorneys and 10 eyewitnesses that they ended up deposing. Now, obviously, we can talk about this CI because he has passed away. So in this piece of information, what's being stated is Russell Poole went to Bernard Parks and he said, hey, I would like to look into this because this is where it's heading. And Bernard Parks told him no. You are not to write about this. You are not to investigate that. Why would the chief of police tell a robbery homicide investigator not to investigate a crime? Because he would be afraid of what he was going to find out. And he knew what he was going to find
3: out. Bernard Parks knew what this deceased CI now was going to find out. He was going down the right track. He he had the right information. Um, He knew what he was going to find out. And chief Parks shut him down. And by by the way, just to add on to that, Don, that wasn't the only time that Chief Parks shut down the CI on on certain things that were going on regarding this case that would have been considered crucial and good uh, leads to follow up on. And Bernard Parks shut it down, those other things too, without going into specifics. That wasn't an isolated incident with Chief Parks shutting down that CI. It was on more than
2: one occasion that that happened. Correct. Yes. But going back to David Mack, again, in information that I have in the files that I have, just some things for people to know and, and understand the relationship between Amir Muhammad and David Mack. David Mack was affiliated with the same religious group as Amir. Amir Muhammad was the godparent to both of Mack's children, took family illness days before and after the bank robbery, Meaning, the day before the bank robbery, he took a family illness day. and The day after, he took a family illness day. And he also did this before and after the Biggie shooting. And David Mack, in his career, never did this at any other times. Correct. That that, that just was the only two
3: <laughs> in a in a in a nine year career that David Mack had. I believe he was an LAPD officer for about like nine years or something like that. Only twice did he take. Uh, family illness days once was before and like you said once before and after the bank robbery and the day before and day after of the bigot killing now come to your own conclusions is that a
2: coincidence you tell me here's some more information david mack used lapd radios during the during the robbery of the bank and knew how police would respond a search of Mac's house discovered lapd equipment used in the bank robbery, which would have been highly useful in coordinating the Biggie murder. Not only useful, but mandatory. Shots were fired in front of the building where Biggie was killed. Lots of off-duty police officers who were present went where the shots were fired, leaving no LAPD officers when Biggie is shot. Very professional, same as the bank robbery. This allowed the Biggie killer to strike at the right time with no officers around. Correct, and think about this, Don. Think about
3: the number of celebrities and, you know, movie stars, pro athletes. I mean, this is Hollywood, man. This is a big L.A. event. And with a lot of fans that are outside of the Peterson, you know, trying to get a glimpse of, you know, a star or take a a picture or a video or something like that. And there are no uniformed police officers where where Biggie and Puffy's car are parked right on the curbside zero that's beyond it's beyond crazy beyond comprehension and the only way something like that can happen this is just common sense man this is police work 101 obviously something had to occur and somebody had to plan out and orchestrate so that would be the case it's a no-brainer
2: um i'm going to continue reading this this portion of the document it says that a search warrant on max house Now, now mind you, this is an LAPD cop. This is not a civilian. This is, this is an LAPD cop that we're talking about a search warrant. And this is what is in his house. A search warrant on Mac's house found five nine millimeter handguns and numerous rounds of ammunition, some being gecko nine millimeter, the same round that killed Biggie and rarely found in the U.S. No ballistics to compare what killed Biggie. And what was found in Mac's garage has been performed.
3: And one of the things that I wanted to do was get those shell casings that were found um, from uh, the shooting of Biggie and and, and do a forensics on it at the uh, FBI laboratory. And because I was being, I had been told that they had not performed any of these uh, the ballistics or the forensics on these uh, shell casings, which I couldn't understand why. So I said, Hey, you know what? everybody uses the FBI laboratory, um, back in, uh, back at Quantico and they would not give me the shell casings. I said, okay, fine, but can you at least give me the report then that you guys did on this? Well, no, there is no report or they wouldn't give it to me. And I'm like, okay, let me do my own forensics on this. And I can't recall her name. It was a female that I was dealing with and I would go round and round with my bosses and say, like, she's not giving me this stuff. And they're like, okay, well, let's just give them some time. Maybe they, that was something that they're going to do, or they just, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they just weren't cooperating with that. What I wanted to do was not only to do forensics on those shell casings to compare them to see did they were they shot out of any of the like you mentioned the five uh, different nine millimeter guns that were found at uh, at Matt's garage during the search warrant because these shell casings were 9 millimeter shell casings. Now, the interesting thing, like kind of how you brought up was, these shell casings are uh, are Gecko from Gecko Ammunition. They're only distributed two places in the entire U.S. One is in Corona and one is back, I believe it's in New Jersey. And I talked to an, F- an ATF agent, kind to, to find out the full background of, of this type of ammunition and, you know, how we could do forensics. And what I was trying to do was not only to see if those shell casings were shot out of any of these guns that were found in Max's garage, but to see if any of those shell casings could be shown that they came from um, possibly the ammunition, the gecko ammunition that I had been told had been located in Max's garage during the search warrant. And when I explained that to this female at LAPD, Again, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt thinking, you know, obviously that that's something they would want to follow up on. But for whatever reason, they hadn't or they just would not tell me that they had and would not provide me the results. So either way, that's when I wanted to do that myself. Never got to do it. And by the time that this case was actually declined, um, it had never been done. Now, I don't know if that's something that had been done later on, by when they reopened the case, it's just hard for me to imagine that that was not something that was not only a priority, but that should have been, like, at the top of the priority.
2: Here's some more information on Mac I think is interesting. Uh, Mac had a half-brother named Dale Williams, who was a Compton Pyru blood gang member. Williams was arrested in a Redondo Beach sting operation. He admitted to LAPD Detective Brian Tyndall he stole vehicles for Mac's activities. He also admitted to stealing the van from Mac prior to the bank robbery, and parking it in Mac's garage. Correct. Now, this I think is an interesting piece of information that I found in documents that I don't think many people are aware of. Maybe they are, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a quick rundown. Okay. Um, the following list is a uh, a list of law enforcement officers who work security for right-way securities this is reggie wright jr's um security form now kevin Hackey, compton uh police officer was one kenneth archer he was an inglewood police officer leslie (laughs) Golden was a was an inglewood police officer kenneth cooper michael moore and al giddens okay these are all cops that worked for right-way security now The following is a list of Inglewood police officers who were working for Biggie the night of his murder. Now, just put this into perspective. You have six police officers who are working for Biggie the night he is murdered. And I have not seen a statement from not one of these police officers anywhere. And I don't know if you talk to him, I'll run down the list. A police officer named Rick Stewart, a police officer named Kevin Lane, a police officer named Cesar Herrera, a police officer named Dorian Burton, a police officer named Rick Swell, and one named Reggie Blaylock. Uh,
3: let's just say, without going into too much specifics, have I talked to some of the people on that list?
2: Yes, I did. Did LAPD? No. Got it. This is another statement I'd just like your input on. To this day, Amir Muhammad has not been located or interviewed by the LAPD. David Mack has refused to be questioned by the LAPD regarding the Biggie Smalls murder. According to a, a CI, LAPD has also never matched the ammunition found in Mack's garage during the search after the bank robbery with the bullets used to kill Biggie. It states an ATF agent named Pierce, an ammunition expert, stated the bullets that killed Biggie is called Gecko Ammunition and manufactured in Germany. The only two distributors of this ammunition in the entire U.S. is William Powell in Corona, California, and Frank Gerner in Cluster, New Jersey. That's correct, by the way.
1: I was just here in the studio vibing out a little bit, and I was just thinking about how much Biggie inspired me as a lyricist. I'll never forget the first time that I heard him spit and the way especially that he constructs and crafts stories and puts them all together to make like this one full spectrum thought of like a moment in the mind. I was just thinking how much that inspired me as a lyricist, as a songwriter, as a creator and just how much I'll never forget him and his impact on me. So before it got too late, I wanted to give all my love to B.I.G. Two albums and all that genius? We're brilliant. You're dope. Thank you for that.
2: I actually do have in these documents the actual property report that were filed in David Mack's home that I want to read to you because I I find them very interesting, what was in his house, right? So it says, the below-listed items were recovered during the investigation and arrest of David Mack. All items were recovered and booked into evidence by detectives Brian Tyndall and Grant. Who was the second officer that that you said besides Tyndall? It says Grant. Grant. Okay. Doesn't give a first name. So... Uh, I'll I'll give you, you know, obviously there's a lot of stuff in someone's homes, but I highlighted the things that I thought were kind of interesting. So again, they found a Smith & Wesson 9mm blue steel handgun, okay? They found 13 rounds of 9mm live ammo, and then they found a magazine of 9mm empty ammo, and they also found a Intratech Tech 22, a Smith & Wesson 38 767 handgun, a Motorola LAPD handheld radio ID number 5798, a, a, a 9mm machine pistol in a case with 3 silencers, a ballistic vest. $52, $50 bills wrapped in clear uh, plastic bag on the master bedroom on top of the bed, and to top it off, a Winchester Defender 12-gauge shotgun. Sound normal to you? <laughs> uh, well, there's a couple
3: things that stand out. One is, why does anybody, let alone a police officer, have three silencers for guns? I'll let people read into that what they want, but is that normal? Absolutely not. And the other thing is, you mentioned a nine uh, a millimeter blue steel uh, handgun. Correct? Yes. Okay. Um, I spoke to somebody without naming names that was not privy to obviously what was found in David Max um, during this search warrant. But when I talked to them, they specifically said that they saw a blue steel handgun be pointed out the door of the 95 uh, SS Impala with the person that shot Diggy holding that gun.
0: Coincidence?
2: I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, another another piece of information that seems to be disregarded in, in this story um, or just shrugged off. <sighs> well, it's, it's, it's all it's written. Mind-blowing. It's all in mind-blowing. When you look at the trajectory of what has happened is the murder happens and Russ Poole gets the case. Okay. Russ Poole goes down the right avenue and Chief Bernard Parks does everything in his power as, as I've read to you in the documents that I have. He's, he's shut down and a guy who had an immaculate <laughs> record at the LAPD somehow now becomes a pariah. Okay. So... The case after that, um, Perry Sanders and, and the Wallace family file the civil case, and more information starts to come out from the civil case. Now, a lot of this information has to be hidden and buried and sealed, but I was able to explain to everybody what some of that stuff was, right? And then after that, Greg Cading takes the case, and Greg Cading mm-hmm. takes what seemingly is good work done by a good investigator and decides that he's gonna come up with his own theory. And after Greg Cading does his work, there is nobody that comes out to combat this information that he's put out until finally you come. And what I find interesting is when anyone talks about the evidence of this case, the conversation does not become about the evidence and the facts and what happened it becomes about attacking people's character. Now, exactly. Yeah, and and to me that makes no sense because you had an immaculate record at the FBI and there's nothing to attack. So, you know, I think the, the detractors out there, and I'll just say his name and Cating, I think his ground that he's under right now is very shaky. And, and I think you can see that Uh, in the interviews he's done since this podcast has come out. But what I want to say is, do you find it ironic that uh, Russell Poole was uh, attacked personally? And and sadly enough, um, the stakes at that time were very high because of who was in power at the LAPD. Um, But then here we have you come finally to speak about this stuff. And all of a sudden it's like no one wants to talk about the evidence the stuff that we just talked about they want to talk about character exactly what, what are your just mean, personal feelings about
3: that? look i i've i've had people pass on to me some of the stuff that's been said to, about me um, not just by Greg Cady but by other people look i have never met Greg Cady i've never talked to Greg Cady you know what i talked to i've talked to people that were part of the task force that he was on and I've heard enough from them to where I just, I, look, I, I have no desire to talk to Great Katie, you know, um, uh, look, if I want to talk to a clown, you know what? I'll go to the circus. I have no desire to talk to Great Katie.
1: Christopher George Latour Wallace, AKA the Notorious B.I.G., AKA Biggie Smalls, AKA Frank White, AKA the King of New York. Our father was one of the founding fathers of hip-hop. He helped revolutionize what was a young art form for the black community and the world. I'm honored to share his name and his dedication to black music, creativity, self-expression, and black freedom. I love you, Mima. Thanks for teaching us who Christopher Wallace was as a son, friend, poet, artist, and father. We love you, Mima. We love you, Dad.
0: Brooklyn, we did it!